0: and chillers we are proud to present the listen and chill stories the series was started with one goal to inspire you by meeting risk takers the people who ventured out uncharted terrains and established themselves despite the odds each one of the guests has a diverse background a story that's not just about their success but about the hardships they faced on this path in this free-flowing format we ask the pertinent questions why and how they began their path-breaking journey the highs and lows about their business tools they use and general questions about the person beyond the business my favorite listener and chiller join us in welcoming Sandra Clark a great example of an accidental entrepreneur and a reinventor. Sandra was leader from her university but that led her to become a LinkedIn expert and set a career helping individuals socially. In this episode we talk about a story, the evolution of LinkedIn, helping candidates stealthily find a job, business details and more. It's time to listen and chill. One, two, three. Let's go. Alright Sandra. So if you could just tell us a little bit, you know, about yourself, how you got started you know on your journey if you could just tell us you know about how you became a LinkedIn mentor of sorts.
1: Right, right. Well I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Um, okay. I worked for the University of California for 25 years, first UC Berkeley and then UC Santa Cruz. And okay. at that point I thought, okay, I will be there until I retire. But they had other ideas and so they okay. pushed me out to the nest, that fairly really safe, comfortable nest. And wow. who knew, but I learned I could fly. So it was a wonderful opportunity. When you live in Silicon Valley, as I do, it's like everybody's wow. gotta do their own startup at least once, right? So it was a little it late to like the game, but, um, but I did. And it's been wonderful. So I've been doing this now about 10 years. Um, it started when I was laid off from the university, going to these job seeker programs, where they'll help you with your resume with interview skills and other things and what was happening is they were doing some linkedin training but people would kind of grab me and say could you just kind of sit with me and help help me you know you seem to get this and we're really struggling so after doing that with about 20 people they were saying you know you're really good at this you should be charging so out of that a business was grown and mm-hmm. i absolutely love what i do it combines all of the things from my past, my teaching experience. I used to be a theater director. I say that I used to make people look good on the stage. And now I make mm. them look good on the stage of LinkedIn. So it pulls all of that together. And um, I just love what I do and I'll keep doing it until I draw.
0: Wonderful. Uh, the question about that, you said you started on, like working on LinkedIn, say 10 years back, how nascent was LinkedIn at that stage as compared to where it is right now
1: it was much more of a job seekers tool then um, right. it still was and could be used for other things for marketing for showing thought leadership but it's really was known as a job seekers tool and it was it was a pretty sophisticated tool but very basic compared to what it is today so, it's really changed a lot over the years. Now, one of the things you know with any technology, when you keep adding features and adding features and adding features, it tends to break. Mm-hmm. So, um, their coding was all based on the original coding from the founders. And eventually, you know, you can patch things and patch things, but they decided they needed to completely redo everything. And they did a major redesign that actually happened after Microsoft bought them, but it had nothing to do with Microsoft it had been in the works for a long time. And as part of that major redesign, things looked different and they behaved differently. It's become much more of a tool for people to market, to sell. Sometimes it's very annoying because people seem to be constantly just trying to sell to us instead of building relationships. And it's also a wonderful tool for showing thought leadership. I work a lot with um, managers, directors, and they're successful in their careers. They like what they're doing and they're successful. They don't necessarily want another job, but they feel that they've got something to say that they want people to hear. So they are thought leaders, subject matter experts in their field, and they want people to know. So LinkedIn has become a place for them to showcase that um, and be seen and heard so um it's a, an incredible tool for so many purposes now my favorite way to use it is to build relationships i meet someone i connect with them i start a conversation with them on linkedin and from that conversation perhaps we'll develop a relationship and out of that relationship i might earn the privilege of doing business with them but um not necessarily. At any rate, it's a much more interesting way to interact with people. That's how you and I uh, came together um, through LinkedIn exactly. and starting conversation and then doing this together.
0: Wonderful. Okay. So so in, in regards to that, what's your clientele like? Uh, are you working particularly with job seekers? Is it more people who want to market uh, themselves, you know, in a particular domain? Uh, what's the, you know, what, what do you... What's the existing set of clientele and, you know, the newer clientele you seek? Okay.
1: Um,
0: it's a mix. Um,
1: I work with some job seekers, certainly, okay. uh, but I work right. a lot. I, I work a lot with what I call stealth job seekers, people who have jobs, but want to look for something else that they don't particularly want their companies to know. Um, right. I work with small business owners, consultants. I work with a lot of coaches, um, business coaches, executive coaches, life coaches, and they're using LinkedIn to grow their visibility and opportunities to find the right people to connect with and start conversations with. So it's a mix. I would, you know, right now with everything that's going on in the world with the virus, a lot of my job seekers, there are a lot more job seekers, but they're nervous perhaps about spending money with me So in general, what I say Mm -hmm. is I work with busy professionals, busy, smart professionals. So they're busy doing what they're good at and they don't want to spend their time to have to learn how to do all of this themselves. So working with me, we can do in a very short time, we can get it done. We can make them look good. I can help them feel confident in using the tool and looking good and not do anything that's going to embarrass themselves. Um, (laughs) I specialize in what I call social media for the socially reluctant. Oh,
0: nice, that's a nice tagline. Isn't
1: that okay. fun? So originally it, it, I yeah. thought of it being more kind of older people who were not comfortable putting themselves out there on LinkedIn and elsewhere. But it turned out there's just as many younger people who are uncomfortable. Let me just geek out in front of my com- computer, be an engineer, be a project manager, whatever. Don't make me publicize myself and put myself out there. But nowadays, you really have to, from the time you're in high school um, through your professional career, you need to market yourself. And LinkedIn is a great way to do that. So I get to work with a wide variety of people and they're all different and they're all interesting.
0: Wonderful. Was the clientele more local to Silicon Valley or is it widespread uh, you know, in, in both zones?
1: You know, there hasn't really... My clients have always been international I have more clients locally, partly because um, Mm -hmm. I'm just known more in this area, even though my work is all virtual, so we don't need to be in the same area. Anywhere where we can figure out the right time zone to be able to talk, um, we can do it. Uh, But I would say, um, let's see, I don't think I've I've had any international clients since this hit. Maybe not because I've got somebody lined up who's supposed to be my client in Italy and she's holding off because of course it's pretty tough there. And I have a client in France. I think she's scheduled for next month. So we're, we're going ahead. Um, so it's, it's hard to tell. It may take a little while before I really see the effects of that. Um, I've always had clients across the United States. And I think as some pockets are hit harder, um, they may hold off. So it's going to take a while before it shows, but I've actually been busier, because so many people, uh, they wanted to do this, but they were so busy, they couldn't even make the time to work with me. Now, at the very least, they're not commuting for hours. So they've got that gift of time back, and they're able to make a little bit of time uh, to work with me. So I've actually been busier.
0: Okay. And how do you see that you know, as you said, uh, the like for a lot of people, cutting down on the commute time has made them realize how much time they're saving up uh, for, for a lot of folks that I know that uh, the work uh, that they've started doing has increased. How do you see uh, remote working become a part, you know, as we move on, you know, over this crisis?
1: You know, I was uh, thinking about that these past few days. You know, what are they going to be the permanent changes? Um, mm-hmm. I suspect that those companies that have had success with people working at home, they actually realize they've been more productive. They don't have to pay for as much real estate. I think a lot of those mm-hmm. companies are going to permanently move to more people working from home. Um I think that um uh it's really hard to know what's going to change, what's gonna be permanent. Uh, There are a lot of people that are just desperate to be with people again. So maybe it will be when we start being able to go back to work, companies will have some people back at work, but not everybody partly so they can space them further apart to reduce any risk Mm -hmm. because this virus is gonna be around for a while. And the extroverts that desperately need to be with people, they'll be the ones that might go back to work first and other people, the introverts will continue working from home. Um, You know, the fact that parents are co-working with their children who are studying, isn't that interesting how we're having zoom meetings, business meetings, and the kid might be at a desk working behind them or beside them. Um, A lot of kids may do better. Um, with this kind of education, maybe some of that will continue. I
0: can't begin to guess, to be honest. I don't know. Do you have any you have a crystal ball? No, I don't. But I, I predict that. I think it'll be, as as you were saying, a combination of the two, because there'll be a lot of people who see, you know, the benefits of that, as you mentioned, you know, having your, uh, you know, offspring, your child sort of in close vicinity while you are still working. So you could still keep a sort of eye on that. I think that might, you know, factor in, as you mentioned. So, yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see how this goes moving forward, because we do live in a very, you know, different time zone uh, than what we were before. So I I think, I think moving forward, I see that as a positive out of this. so. All right, the, I was going to say, sorry, one on. of the
1: things I've, I've seen with my friends and also my kids um, who are all right. still working, they're actually working longer hours uh, because there's yeah, so many yeah, the emergencies <laughs> because of what's going on. That And right. that worries me because they're going to work too much, they're going to get overtired, and they're going to be more vulnerable to getting sick. So I'm a little concerned about right. that, but most of the people I know are working longer hours now.
0: Right. That's that's the general, uh, you know, sort of commonality that I've seen amongst everyone, that everyone seems to work more. I'm uh, not sure how that happens when you're at home. You tend to work more, but that's that's exactly what's happening. All right. So just one yeah. other question for this segment. Did your, uh, like, as you transitioned, you mentioned that, you know, you, you helped out 10 to 20 people. That led to, you know, opening the business up did the mindset completely change or do you still feel as an employee sometimes that you may be answerable to someone? Uh, You know, does that thought ever come, um, you know, in the head?
1: Interesting. You know, it certainly did for a long time. I definitely so many years working for somebody else. I had never had my own business. So I definitely had an employee mindset and uh, it took a long while to change. And I didn't think I was well suited to working at home on my own, but it actually turned out pretty well. I have a lot of networking events, so I have a lot of interaction with people. I'm an introvert, so I'm actually fine working at home on my own. It took a long time to develop the discipline of working for myself. You know, how do you divide up your day? It's very easy to want to go and just uh, goof off, relax, do nothing. So I ended up, you know, finding the structure, but it took quite a few years before I really had um, a good structure to my day that was productive.
0: Sweet. Thank you so much for that, Sandra. Okay, so uh, Sandra, talking more about the uh, business, what are the most important tools, apps that you use, uh, you know, day to day? Um, Other than LinkedIn, i <laughs> <laughs> Right.
1: I use, um, I have a CRM system. I use Zoho for small business. Okay. And that's built in. It keeps, you know, all of my uh, contacts. I do my newsletters. I email from that, from my contacts. It's connected to my Gmail, my business Gmail. So it, I can look in there. I can see when I contacted someone. And then every time I contact someone, I can put like what the next step is when I follow up with them again. So that's uh, some kind of CRM is absolutely critical. I think to any small business, if you're really too small, I mean, uh, Zoho is not expensive, but there are free ones. Um, There are, uh, you can really, you could use an Excel spreadsheet if you were really organized. But I think keeping track of your contacts and growing that list is absolutely critical. So that would be a must-have for me. Now, I have um, G Suite. um, So I have the Google, you know, the professional Google Google, Gmail that does that. Um, So that's a part of my tools, too. I have, um, what else do I use? Sometimes I find I have to use different things Mm -hmm. to trick me into doing it i know that sounds silly but what is? it's just like i know i should uh so even although zoho's great and i use it as a reminder i also use i used to use wonderlist they've just closed now they or they've been taken over by a microsoft product microsoft product called to do uh, and that i keep my speakers engagements and things on there uh just okay. for a different thing i use evernote oh. um um, and of course, I use Zoom. Zoom is is great. I used to use Go To um, but so many more people were comfortable with Zoom uh, that I switched over to that and really love it. So those are kind of probably my key ones.
0: Okay, so just follow up on all of those. So for G Suite, I know that also has a recording uh, software, Google Meet. Do you? Use that, or is Zoom the preferred, uh, Zoom you know, your preferred. go-to?
1: Funny enough, I had a client the other day who was a formal Google employee, oh, and okay. she said they hated using Google Hangouts and, and things like that because it just didn't work as well as Zoom, and she was embarrassed right. that it didn't, know, but, you know, as soon as you, know, right. you got to work with things that are reliable.
0: Right. Okay. And uh, you mentioned Zoho CRM, uh, the free, like, you know, we use an open source uh, suite CRM and, you know, build an enterprise solution on that other than, uh, so how, how comfortable are you with, uh, with using Zoho? Do you primarily use that for newsletters and campaigns yes. or I use it are there other things that you use it for?
1: There are other things you could use it for. I can right. do webinars from it. There are all kinds of, I have this sort of suite of yeah. products. I could do everything. But sometimes okay. I just think, I can't learn something new. Don't make me.
0: <laughs> right, and I right.
1: just, um, you know, say, let me use something that I know how to use, I'm comfortable with. So there are a lot more things I could do with it. And sometimes I just go on strike and say, no, leave me alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to learn something new. I like <laughs> new things, but uh, sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes
0: it's overwhelming. right? Yeah,
1: especially so, technology,
0: because so in- I'm my own IT tech support as well. <laughs> Right. I mean, when, so you are a one person business, I'm assuming, right? Yes. Right. So handling that again, you have to be sort of on all fronts. And as you mentioned, IT and support, do you also have a website hosted somewhere? Or is it I family do
1: LinkedInmentoring.com LinkedIn okay. and I manage right. that. I take care of that. If something I need to do something that's like clever, that involves coding I have someone right. that I can go to for that because that's beyond me. Although he okay. seems to think I can do it and keeps telling me how to do it instead of doing it himself. And I said, no, let me pay you. Please don't make me code. <laughs> you know, if you give me yeah. a snippet of code and tell me where to put it, I can put it in, but that's a yeah. bit beyond me. So yeah, I manage my, my website. I have a YouTube okay. channel uh, where I do a lot of short little videos, um, usually just two minutes, just kind of quick, easy tips to help people. And I've been uh-huh. learning recently to do thumbnails on the video so that they look better. And I also recently have an intro and an outro. So I've done my first mm-hmm. video with that so that they look a little more professional. That's pushing my technology about as far as I
0: can go. That sounds wonderful. In regards to like uh, dialing back to the website, uh is that like do you uh, uh i'm sure you must have bought the domain from somewhere but do you host that on a particular platform and do you use any tools for the website like wordpress or, well, Wix I, or
1: something um i use so, word it's a wordpress-based site which is always been okay. um it's very manageable one of the great things about it is, is if i ever needed someone new to help me with it right. uh there are lots of people who can do it when you get products that are too specific or too customized it becomes very hard to find to replace them, Of course, probably that's what they're relying on that you're de- going to be dependent on them. So use WordPress right now it's sort of um, hosted on GoDaddy I, I've, but i I've been moving it over to Siteground because there're okay uh, a lot of issues with GoDaddy, so Siteground. do yeah. I understand what I'm saying? Not really. this is the web guy. He tells me to do something
0: <laughs> that I do it and. And his recommendation is SiteGround instead of GoDaddy. Okay, sweet. That's a good point. I'll look for that. I do, I think most of my stuff is on Hostinger. So far, you know, it's been good, but I've heard about HostGator and Mm -hmm. uh, this one. So I'll I'll check that out. Sweet. Okay. Uh, Other than that, uh, sort of, you know, starting out, what were the steps that you had to take registering the business, uh, you know, summing up, having the capital enough, you know, to sustain you? What was the plan like? few weeks.
1: um i'd like to say it was this well thought out plan but i have to be honest <laughs> but, it was just okay yeah. i gotta figure out how to do that i've got to figure out how to take money oh i need right. to set up a paypal account how do i do that yeah. um okay now i need to you know i need to have the website i need to do marketing i need to send, so as um i needed to learn something to do it I learned it on the fly and just did it. So sometimes it was not very elegantly done, but you know I got it to work. And then you go back and you make it look a little better. Some things I'm still going back to. Okay. But,
0: but it wasn't like, I'm sorry, go on. Go
1: no, on. that was it. It wasn't this great plan.
0: Right. Which is, which is how I think, as you said, accidental entrepreneur, that's how it, it is for most people. Like you see an opportunity, and you're know, like, I want to get into this we'll figure out the logistics of it later uh, but i think that's that's a smart approach to have i know of other people who would purchase like get a business register, have a holding company in place and then move from there both approaches seem to work mm-hmm. you know it's not one one size fits all so that's wonderful okay I, so i gonna
1: say i think if you think about all the things you have to do you get overwhelmed and you panic and you can't do right. anything. So if you just say, okay, I can do this one thing, then it feels achievable. Okay.
0: So the one tip you would give to someone who, say, has an idea or has a potential opportunity is to go out there and get it rather than worry about, oh, I've not registered this, I've not done this, et cetera. Just do it. Try it. Wonderful. Okay. So Nike. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I,
1: you know, um, I, I like to say to people that, walking is just controlled falling you put your foot up you start your body starts to go forward and your your foot catches you and you don't fall and you do it again and you do it again and you steadily walk forward and if you're lucky you don't fall flat on your face and sometimes you do you pick yourself up and you start walking again
0: wonderful okay there's something i remember uh, seeing in uh, Rida, you had a video about the seven principles of success or something and he mentioned you know something on those lines like just one step you know uh, after the other and that lets you cross whatever barrier you know comes ahead so wonderful That's thank so you for lovely. highlighting that it is yeah and uh, so so time frame like uh, time frame wise when you started cuz you know it wasn't a uh, business plan per se What's the time frame you looked at were there goals that you had set for like six months that I want to have so many clients or so much revenue what was the plan I, again like?
1: I'd like to say <laughs> that I had All this right. plan and these goals but it was just um, I want to make a, you know a certain amount of money that I needed to make to support myself right. and okay. um, you know then I, I would work out okay well how many clients I needed to do to get Uh, that amount of money and then I would panic so I tried not to think about that I just dealt with it one client at a time one um invoice at a time and didn't really think about the bigger plan but just just the next client and the next client and how many uh for me I do consultations with people complementary consultations to see whether we're a good match to work together And you have to do a certain number of of consultations in order to get the clients. So you begin to get a sense of how many consultations do I need to do in a week to get the number of clients I need to get to support myself. But I'm afraid I was never that strategic or organized. It was just one client at a time.
0: Wonderful. Okay, that that should be like, you know, as you mentioned, it's more of an optimistic approach that I'm going to go get the client and then worry about, you know, uh, how much revenue they'll bring in. Sweet. So, one more thing I want to understand. Uh, what was... So how much time did you invest in acquiring a new client say, when you started as compared to how you do it now? Like, was I'm sure the approach must have evolved over the years, but... You know, if you could walk us through how it began to, you know, like now. Okay.
1: to some extent, the um, in the earlier years, far more of my clients were more personal referrals, people that I actually knew who knew somebody. And so of uh, the consultations I, I gave people, they didn't know how much it was going to cost, but they already had a sense that they wanted to work with me. So of, say, 10 consultations say probably eight people would go ahead and schedule some coaching with me. Now I do a lot more marketing, international marketing and the people uh, might've been referred. They might've just seen something I'd written. And so those numbers have changed. So now perhaps out of 10 consultations, two people will schedule with me. So that kind of proportion has shifted. I have to do a lot more work, but then, you know, my income has grown too. Um,
0: Right. So I do, okay. you know, I, I,
1: I spend a good amount of time on marketing.
0: Right. And, you know, uh, following up on that, marketing wise, is LinkedIn a tool you primarily use for marketing or are there other, you know, campaigns, uh, Facebook ads, et cetera? That I do you don't run? do
1: any ads. Um, I don't do Facebook okay. ads. I mean, I know people have a lot of great success with Facebook. I have a business presence there. I use it, but it's not really. For me, the place I like to use. Um, I get more value out of LinkedIn, obviously. I do do a regular uh, email newsletter uh, twice a month. Okay. And that was the biggest single thing I've done to increase my business. I would do a newsletter okay. kind of when I felt like it, might be once a month, might be every three weeks. I tried to be regular, but I didn't want to bother people and I didn't have it really set. But when I got the CRM set up, when I had, okay, I'm going to do a newsletter every two weeks. um, That was the big thing for me because the constant, I always, you know, it's not a sales newsletter. It's tips about using LinkedIn. So I just try to be helpful. And that goes out regularly. And it reminds people, not just if they want to work with me, oh, you know what? My sister-in-law could do with that help. Oh, my son is about to graduate. I'm going to give him a gift of uh, this training to help him set up his LinkedIn as it goes into the workforce. Mm -hmm. And they just think of me by seeing that regularly. And I'm seen as an expert because I'm constantly sharing good information. So that was the single best thing that I have done with my business.
0: Okay. So having that regularity, as you said, of sending it every fortnight, that really helped. And as, as you also mentioned, sort of the graph has changed. Uh, because the conversion rate, if you will, was so high before because it was more personal mm-hmm. referrals, more people you knew who were more likely to convert. And now because I'm assuming the base price has increased, plus you know, you're reaching out to a wider audience, that's why the, the number of people converted are lesser, but you know, you're still sort of affecting the same change. Right, and there's more okay. people total now than there were then. Correct. Right. Right, right, because there'll be existing uh, clients. Wonderful. Okay, so uh, just a couple of questions before we end this segment. Uh, what would you say is your like, one moment, like your best uh, success so far in the business? Like the one day, you, one moment you remember uh, when you think of success?
1: Uh, there are lots of little moments. I think for me, one of the most fun moments was when somebody right. in Spain decided to do a map of LinkedIn experts around the world. And I was the only person listed on his international map in Northern California. Uh, You know, I'm just a small entrepreneur in Silicon Valley and there are many LinkedIn trainers, but I had been visible enough internationally to get put on this map. And so I don't know that it necessarily resulted in money. Uh, but sometimes your ego needs feeding too, so it was, it was a, a real kick to have um, that mention. And even you know, meeting people with you being involved with the LinkedIn Local movement internationally mm-hmm. has been a very rewarding for the people I've met. Not necessarily business I've got from it, but the kind of feeling that we are part mm-hmm. of an international community—it's very rewarding. Wonderful.
0: Wonderful. So it, it isn't really about. Just, you know, as you mentioned, at the end of the day, it's not just about the business. It's also about recognition, about just knowing for yourself that, OK, you know, on some level, I think I'm making mm-hmm. an impact. So that's that's a wonderful thing. OK, a follow up to that. What would you say has been like your worst ebb and how did you overcome it through this whole which, journey? Of my your worst business? which? Uh, your ebb, like your worst. Oh, my God. Um,
1: I am a pretty optimistic person. So I tend to not deal on negative. Um, So I don't know, what would it be? I mean, you have moments, certainly there have been moments, it's like, what am I doing? How do I think I can ever, (laughs) you know, make successful, and grow? And um, you know, you just get down on yourself, but um, I don't, I don't like to live in a place of negativity it doesn't feel good. So I just choose not to live there and I bounce back really quickly.
0: Wonderful. Okay. Now that's, again, I'm, I'm saying wonderful a lot, but that I, I like that approach that even if you're going through, you know, as you said, you don't want to have that thought when you have your own business. Like, what am I doing? Clearly, you know, you pick this, you know. So uh, a lot of people don't accept that. Whenever that comes, they're like, I, I need to get out of this, which isn't the end solution. So I like that approach a need lot. A support Thank you so much. Network. Having friends and colleagues so. that you can
1: go to for that support when you're down is really important too.
0: And, and colleagues-wise, are there other... LinkedIn mentors that you say speak to on a regular basis?
1: It's interesting, although we're sort of competitors, there's an international community wow. of LinkedIn experts. Um, and we are part of a group and we share like changes on LinkedIn, best practices, problems, things that we've seen. And it's an incredible community that I'm privileged to. It's like, gee, they let me in. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> there are other people who are very competitive. Wow. And um, there would never be a part of this group because it's just like, oh, if there's any business, I want it all. Whereas we're, you know, we'll refer right. business uh, to each other. Someone is on the East Coast and she said, well, I really don't want to travel to the West Coast. There's some speaking things. You know, would you like to do it? I've got a couple of colleagues in San Francisco. And if I don't want to drive up there, I might give the business to them. Or I think they're a better match. I don't do a lot of sales training. Um, It's not what I enjoy doing. And there are LinkedIn experts that are specifically about like sales navigator or sales, uh, sales training on LinkedIn. And so I refer business to them and they refer like individuals to me. So some of this community is incredible, really wonderful.
0: Yeah, it's it's a smart, uh, you know, strategy, if you will, to to move forward rather than worrying about the competition, because success is out there for Mm -hmm. everyone to have. There's plenty
1: out there for all of us. And the more we put out there, the more we receive. If people are in scarcity mode, there's not enough. So I got to keep everything I'm going to have, then, you know, I feel sorry for them. And I don't think that ultimately they'll be successful.
0: Exactly. All right, Sandra, so this is sort of, you know, just a general tidbit section of sorts. Uh, to start off, because, you know, we're still leading off the business. Is there a favorite quote or saying one motto that you hold uh, dear to yourself?
1: Um. um <laughs> You know there, there there's something, and for some reason i'm not not thinking of it is it's, it's about making it uh I hate to use the Nike thing, just do it, but it's something like um, anything is
0: possible okay so that, that's a that's a you know that motto sort of sums up so many others so thats that's a wonderful one sweet uh, following up um, is there a song? Uh, a movie, a TV, an audiobook, something that you know you listen to on repeat.
1: Oh gosh, um, you know I—I I listen to a lot of podcasts. Okay. And um, one of the podcasts I listen to regularly is Gretchen Rubin's *The Happiness Project*, and um, it's just—it's it's positive. She does—she um, uh, does it with her sister. And I just okay. enjoy the camaraderie between the sisters and the positive mm-hmm. approach they take. And you, you probably hear from me a lot. I like the positive side of things.
0: So it's a nice way to keep yourself motivated, you know, hearing these inspirational stories. That was the reason behind our podcast. So hopefully that's added to your list too. <laughs> uh, you uh, said you live in Silicon Valley. Have you lived in other places too? Or has that been home?
1: Oh, Yes. Um, I was born in England. Okay. I don't sound like it. I know my family all still, still live in England and Scotland. Um, okay. I, I, we moved to Canada when I was little. I lived in Canada and Montreal for okay. a, a long time, went to Germany for three years in the middle, but then left Canada when I graduated from high school, went back to okay. England, couldn't wait to get out of there, um, <laughs> and moved to Thailand. I was a teacher in Thailand for five years, um, I um, decided to go back to school because the more I was a teacher there and the more you teach, the more you realize you don't know anything. you better go back to school and learn. And so I was thinking, well, where should I go back to school? Should I go back to England, go to America, go somewhere else? And I would say to my English friends, oh, I'm thinking of going back to school. And they'd go, oh, why, dear? Why would you do that? You have a perfectly good job. Um, And I'd say to my American friends, I'm thinking of going back to school. And they go, you go, girl. Go for it, right on. And I go, I love these people. And for the most part, I still do the kind of positive can-do attitude that is prevalent in America. So I came here. There were a few other detour, detours, other countries I spent some time in, but those were the main ones. So, yeah, I'm, I'm an accidental American. Okay.
0: Again, accidentally everywhere. I love that addition.
1: An opportunity. Uh, and you- <laughs> I met <when>, and <laughs> I, I only came here to go to school. And I met and married an American. So here I got um, stuck. And, you know, (laughs) if you've got to get stuck somewhere, this is a wonderful place to be stuck. Um, When I first met my husband, his friends were all saying, oh, she just wants a green card to stay. And my friends were saying, you would stay in one place for a guy? Uh, And so I guess we proved them both wrong because we've been married for, what, 36 years now.
0: Wow, congratulations on that, Uh, off. uh you, had met, you did a great job with both the accents, by the way, the English and American. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> and so out of all these places, I'm assuming the answer is Silicon Valley, uh, you know, your, your favorite spot to be in. Uh, is there a second favorite? Um, Thailand was
1: amazing. Uh, yeah. The Thai people are so generous, so truly friendly. Um, that they made me feel incredible when I was there. Um, so it was it's hard to beat. It's a long way to go to go back there to, to visit, but I still have uh, friends and relatives. They, the Thai family there adopted me as the 13th and youngest child of their family. So I'm still in touch with them. Amazing people, amazing country. I couldn't um, stay there. I couldn't own property there as a foreigner. So I couldn't buy a house there, and there was a military coup there every year that I um, was there, pretty much. So okay. at a certain point, oh. you have to say, "Okay, this is maybe time to to leave."
0: Right. Okay. Wow, that's I I didn't know of that. I didn't know you couldn't own property in Thailand. That's that's uh, news to me. Good to know. Uh, Thailand-wise, I remember there's an MMA boxing sort of MMA and boxing camp, I think that happens over there in the summer that I really want to go to. <laughs> so sweet. Thank you. Okay. Uh, what is, you say, your, your favorite hobby? What is one thing that you indulge in? And when was the last time you indulged in it? Hiking, walking in
1: with my husband. That's our hobby. Um, mm-hmm. We, you know, we walk every day, but we try to hike Saturdays and Sundays. We're a little limited now because we're, you know, when all the parks are closed. Um, okay. But... You know there's so many beautiful places to do that we take our dog and we just go up and we uh, up the. Hill. we've got lots of hills around here to climb so we get our aerobic workout um yes. and we just love it so that's been my favorite thing to do for many years now
0: okay wonderful uh one more question i like to ask most entrepreneurs is uh, do you buy your coffee outside no you don't you brew it at home is there a particular
1: brand that you like i get up at five in the morning and i have my cup of coffee i'm not you know i'm up at five i don't want to go anywhere i don't want to see anybody or talk to anybody at that time but yeah make my own coffee it doesn't feel responsible to be going out and um using even if i brought my own cup it just doesn't you know i like always use like i use the reusable pods and uh, we, we save the, the curate type thing and we, we I use the All reusable right. ones and then we save the grounds to put in the compost heap. Uh, so I try to be conscious of what uh, things I'm using to make this, you know, to not harm the world we're in.
0: Wonderful. Okay. And we we uh, another thing, yeah. What's your favorite dance form? And when was the last time you danced? Dance form? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, it's salsa... Oh, gosh. Right, talking um, is
1: like bachata, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't dance. My husband doesn't like to dance. And so we've tended uh-huh. to not do that over the years. I used uh-huh. to like to do the Thai dancing. It was very friendly, kind of. It's, it's oh. a beautiful form of dancing, but I haven't done that in many years. Ballroom dancing, probably I would do ballroom dancing again if I could get my husband to go with me.
0: Okay. Oh. What's, if you could show us one step of this Thai dance, like something sitting that I could do, what would it be? Okay,
1: it's kind of, a, you know,
0: like your hand. Kind okay. Of. <laughs> that, that's, that's similar to a South Indian dance uh-huh. form because I've seen them, you know, do that because they're very sort of in tune with the body and, you know, they seem to be very flexible in that particular dance form. Sweet. All right. So, no, other wasn't than expecting your, that question. <laughs> I, I I tend to surprise. <laughs> so, what uh, other than you know you're working where say you have a day filled with clients? What's an ideal day for you?
1: Uh, an
0: ideal day off, if you will.
1: An ideal day
0: off, off. like off from work. Yeah. Um,
1: okay, so I I get up at five in the morning every day. Okay. Um, right. When I worked, when I used to work for somebody else, I had to get up at five thirty to get to work before the commute was too bad and so the moment i left there i got up earlier because i own the mornings the mornings are mine because nobody else wants to be up at that time even my dog won't get up that early so <laughs> you know i get up at five and i have my coffee and breakfast and i meditate for a little while um, okay. and then i'll read the paper Uh, I still like a physical paper. There's something about physicality of it before we get on our screens. Um, And then I'll get up, shower dressed. I take the dog for a walk and usually listen to a podcast while I'm doing that. Um, And then, you know, uh, whatever the day brings, a little bit of, you know, something around the house, maybe some shopping, when we can go out I don't like shopping per se but if I've got chores to do type of shopping Um, and then in the afternoon a hike with my husband Um, and then watching something on tv with him in the evening very low-key we're not hugely social people and we just like being at home we enjoy our home
0: okay Okay. what's the guilty pleasure tv wise is there a a show that you all always watch no matter what
1: you know, the show I've continued, my husband doesn't watch it. I've watched Grey's Anatomy and it's okay. the final season after 17 years or something. I started watching it when my daughter still lived at home. We watched it together. And so I'm going to be sad to see that go. Uh, I've enjoyed ah. that over the years and I don't know what will replace <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. That's 17 years. That's that's oh, 300 odd episodes, I'm assuming. I, a lot. Or even more. <laughs> right, right. Wonderful. Okay, sweet. So, Sandra, the the fourth part is more just about broadening your horizons. So, for for a lot of people who start out their business, they'll probably do it with their job. So, the business would then possibly be a second source of income and taxation too. But uh, that would be the second source of income. Other than these, are there any uh, thing that you do or would recommend to someone, you know, as sort of a strategy to diversify their wealth? A strategy to what? I missed the part of your question. Uh, To to diversify their wealth, to invest in, you know, something else, increase their streams of income. Um, I think that's a great
1: idea to have different streams of income coming from different sources, but also psychologically having, you know, like when something's not going well, you've got something else that is going well. And you can kind uh-huh. of move around between them. And also the world around us is constantly changing. So mm-hmm. right now, you know, LinkedIn may go out of business or something or disappear one day and I wouldn't have that business now. I'll retire at that point. I'm old enough. I can do that. Um, okay. But I think...
0: You don't look old, but sure. <laughs> Thank <Okay>. you.
1: Thank <laughs> you I say all the right things. <laughs> um, but <laughs> having um, something that you love to do, Ideally, it makes a little bit of money, too, but that you really enjoy doing something that is easy to do, that you've got some revenue, but you can do it really easily. And maybe something that's meatier, more complex, but is a longer term thing for you to do um, would be the best I could think of for
0: you. Okay. And, and you're not worrying about that at this point, but that's something, you know, for sort of a budding entrepreneur to maybe worry yeah, about. Yeah,
1: you know, for uh, me, I'm at the age I've got out. some retirement income,
0: I've got social security, yeah.
1: you know, I've, so yeah. I have different streams that I'm lucky to have, you know, and I have, you know, this business as well. So I think that this is probably my last career, but who knows?
0: Who knows? Yeah, said you might have retired at this school, but then this, you know, turned about. So who knows? Hopefully, there's a lot, uh, you know, more things to come. Uh, just the sort of last question: any tips that you would give to say an immigrant coming? Like we we ask this to a lot of Canadians since the immigrant system is so. It's called Express Entry, and we have a lot of, you know, people, myself included, who've come to Canada. Uh, The U.S. is a very different format. Most people come there for a work visa, but say for, you know, um, in a hypothetical, if you will, for an immigrant coming in, what struggles might they face, and how would they, any recommendations on navigating that?
1: And of course, I was an immigrant myself. Um, (laughs) Exactly. And um, it's... um, I'd say make sure that you've got a supportive community and have a community in your own nationality, you know, people that know and understand you, but make sure that you create new tribes with people from the place that you're in, uh, be it, you know, whatever country you're in, make sure that you make some connections there and you have the support there because they're the people that will help you integrate into this, the new community you're in. When I came to America, right. I thought that it would be very easy, that it would be just like you know, Canada, where I'd grown up, or England. But I actually had more culture shock coming to America than I did going to Thailand. Because I expected going to Thailand, it would be different. And it was. And it was fine. But I expected right. coming right. here, it would be the same. And it was not. It's very different. I thought it was a very integrated uh, society. Um, And it's not, there's a lot of segregation. There's a lot of prejudice, a lot of racism. Um, And there are a lot of things that weren't expected. So finding people who are also immigrants, but from maybe not the same country as you, but they understand that kind of immigrant experience. um, I think that's helpful, Mm -hmm. even if you're just making fun of some of the customs of your new country. Uh, But you need support from a variety of sources Uh, people to go to, to ask questions about things that are different to you, as well as people that will just uh, be a comfortable place for you to go and relax. But, um, and be, be willing to share yourself what's different um, and educate the people around you. I find myself um, ignorant a lot of the times about different cultures. And I look forward to learning from people who um, have come from other countries and can teach me. There's always something to learn. So get your support network in place.
0: Wow. Okay. That's very insightful information and clearly makes sense. It's it's a topic that I would say some entrepreneurs avoid in the pursuit of success that you need to go ahead, you know, market this. But yeah, a, a support system is sometimes some, something that people maybe uh, don't focus as much on. So that's a great point for bringing Thank you so much, Sandra, for your time.